You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, I believe we can all benefit from this. I really do. And so let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 14. The text comes from Luke. The parents are Zechariah and Elizabeth. The child is John the Baptist. He was called the forerunner for the ministry of Jesus Christ. He was to point the way to the coming Messiah. And so we read about this blessing in Luke 1.14. In fact, Scott, thank you for being just the way you pray. You never know how God's leading. When Scott said at the end of his prayer, one more thing. One more thing, Holy Spirit. We pray a prayer of blessing. And when he said it, I thought, That's what this is. Notice, if you will, as the angel of the Lord prays this blessing over this child in Luke's first gospel, verse 14, the angel says, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Wow, what a passage. Now I want to begin with this, and I want to say this as we examine the passage, and that's what we're going to do in just a moment, that we have to be careful in applying these narrative portions of the Gospels to our lives I want to recognize for just a moment that we never want to assume upon the text. We never want to assume that what was meant for a particular person or for particular persons is meant for us today. However, when the angel told Zechariah that he and his wife were going to have a son, the angel very clearly pronounced a blessing on this soon-to-be-born son. And we just read that blessing. And the nature of this pronounced blessing is synonymous with prayer. So I want us to use this blessing this morning as a a basis. As just a basis to some scriptural principles. As to how we can pray for our children. We're not assuming our kids are going to grow up and be John the Baptist, okay? We are simply examining a prayer of blessing that we can make personally ours for our children that we love. I read a commentary on this particular passage in Luke, and they, I thought it was interesting. The writer said this, that as parents, when we see the, the sonogram, you ever, you ever had a sonogram and you look at that and you see the fingers and the toes and the eyes and the legs and you see the movement, maybe even the heartbeat, we breathe a sigh of relief. But what we wouldn't give if we could look at that sonogram and see something about their character. Think about that. I realize there are no guarantees here. Nothing I'm going to say this morning is a guarantee. I get that. But here is a prayer. And I draw your attention to a prayer that could become a list. That could become a help, a way that you and I can pray more intentionally for our children, our grandchildren, the children of hot springs, 
the children across the street. So this passage gives us five elements to make personal. Here's the first one. Number one, pray for our children to bring joy always in our lives. You see, the very first thing in this blessing is the relationship between John's birth and thanksgiving. Look at it with me. It says, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. You know, it's easy to give thanks when children are born. I mean, listen, that little picture we showed just a moment ago, everybody, when that picture came up, nobody heard a word I said for 10 seconds. I mean, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. The baby, they all kind of look alike for the most part. I mean, there's a little bit of, but I mean, at the end of the day, they're babies. They're just small, little, cuddly, and they're just beautiful. And it's like, oh. My kids were all like that. I, I got some pictures here. Here's old Mo. Look at it. Emergency C-section. Oh, yeah. This boy was a crazy man. Still is. Like his dad. And uh, I'll never forget that doctor rushing Carol Ann through and cutting her open within seconds. The umbilical gore was wrapped around his neck. Now you know what's wrong. <laughs> Something happened in that thing. And then there's old Joe. Oh, Joe, he's still like, that's Joe right there. That, that, is, that is Joe when he was a baby. He's still the same, 29 years old, still smiles all the time. And he talks when he smiles. When he's sad, he smiles. He just smiles. That's all, all, all he knows how to do. And then there's Zoe. Look at this guy. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I never forget. The boy came out a hippie. I mean, it was ridiculous. We called him Baby Buddha. My little old wife, how big was he? Nine six for a little frame like her. It was that was a massive baby. And then there was Chloe. She's as cute. Precious little Chloe. And then there's Glow. And they kind of look a little bit like Glow's our special needs child. So we have children ranging from 15 to 31. And I can assure you, when they were born, they brought joy into our lives. Go to a baby dedication. It's the sweetest thing ever. You've got these families that gather together and friends, and usually a small group will come if they're a part of a small group. We do them in the church, usually like on a Saturday, four, hour, four o'clock. They're by appointment only, and it's awesome. I love the way we do it. Now, we used to do it in church, but it was so quick and fast, and it wasn't real meaningful in my opinion. Now we do it. It's about a 30-minute ceremony. So cool. Everybody loves it. Nobody sits in the back. Everybody sits in the front. In fact, you go to a children's celebration choir that Sonia Chittam puts on here, sometimes like on the weekdays now, and everybody sits in the front section. Nobody sits in the back. Everybody wants to be as close as they can. It's the children. And they bring so much joy into our lives. Why? They are a gift from God. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, I love, and I love this, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed. That word blessed simply means happy. Happy is the man who fills his quiver with them. We should always be thankful. And so we pray, Father, may our children bring joy to our lives always. But then they grow up. It was easy when they were young. And then they become like junior high. And things kind of kick in. And then teenagers. And then drama. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes 
the joy leaves. And I'm reminded of a passage in, from the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, but the one who wrote the Gospel of John in Revelation, and now in First and Second and Third John, verse 4, where he said this, I have no greater joy. What, John? What do you have no greater joy about than that my children are walking in truth? And this is our prayer. Because what brings joy always is when our children are walking in truth. And I can tell you today that the joy that I have today, knowing that all of my children are here today in this worship hour or one of the other service, it's not, it's by the grace of God, but I can assure you it is the prayers of a mom, a dad, and others in this auditorium who said, oh God, would you touch their lives and would you, would you help them to walk in truth? To this day, I still pray that. To this day, oh God, my children, may they continue to walk in truth because that's where the joy comes from, when our children walk in truth. Number two, pray for our children to be great for God. Look, if you would, in the text, Luke 1, 15, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. It's okay to pray that. God, God, I want my child to be great for you. Notice Jesus said this about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7 and verse 28. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Now, that word great is an interesting word. So, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think of when you think about the word great in relation to your children? I think sometimes, at least in my experience, and I get it, I think I've probably been guilty of this. Man, I want my kid to be great in sports. I want to be a great athlete or maybe a great musician or a great doctor or maybe a great actor or a great scholar or maybe we can spiritualize it just a little bit. I want him to be a great preacher, a pastor. But John's greatness is not in his vocation but that he carried out the will of God for his life faithfully. Church family, listen, if it is God's will for my child's life to be a plumber, may that be what he does faithfully with a kingdom mindset for the glory of God. That's what it means to be great in the sight of the Lord. To be great in the sight of the Lord is to find one's purpose and fulfill it. Nothing more, nothing less. When I, at age 15, felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to surrender my life to ministry. I did it. I did. I'm here today at that decision at age 15, and by God's grace, I haven't wavered from that moment. Before that, I wanted to be an NBA basketball coach. True story. I honestly think I'd have made it. I was pretty passionate about basketball back in the day. Pat Riley was my hero. He coached the Lakers with Magic, Norm Nixon, James Worthy, um, Jamal Wilkes, Kareem. I mean, this team was dynamite. They won five championships in the 90s or 80s. And I just thought Pat Riley was the coolest cat ever. I'd watch every, every time I could watch him, read everything he wrote. But then the Holy Spirit interrupted all that. Call me to the ministry. And so I walked away from that dreaming, and I embraced another. The calling, the fulfilling of God's purpose in my life. I called my family. And, and, and then I finally called my grandmother in New Orleans. And I said, Graham, I, 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 I want to tell you what, I, what God did. And she said, I'm so disappointed. I couldn't believe it. 
I thought everybody would be excited. I'm so disappointed. What, 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 what's wrong? She said, well, you know, you don't make any money doing that. And it's, it's just, you know, what are you going to do with your life? That, what, you, you know, that's, that's not what you were created for. You, look, you're disappointing your family. And she, it was deflating. And I remember being so discouraged. I ran to my mother's room, again, raised in a single-parent home, ran to my mom. I said, Mom, I just had the craziest talk with Graham, and she, she's not happy about my decision at all. In fact, she, she thinks it's rather stupid. And Mom said, Son, let, let, me, let me encourage you. She goes, When you got saved at age 13, I remember knowing that I just I couldn't be there as much as I wanted to be. I was working all the time. And I just knew that I needed God to take care of you. So I went to the altar. It was on the corner of 3rd and South, 516 3rd Street at the old church before it burnt down. And she said, I went to the altar and I prayed, God, I can't do this by myself. I give you my son today. I surrender him to you. You let him do whatever he wants to do and I'll be so happy as a mother. And she said, son, today God answered my prayer. I'm so proud of you. I didn't care what anybody else thought. I was another answer to my mother's prayers. Fulfilling the purpose for which God had placed me on this earth. We ought to pray that for our kids. Whatever that looks like, God, may they be great for you. And then number three, look at verse 15. Scripture says, or should be, yes, verse 15. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. Now I want to say this about that phrase. Here is how we can pray. Pray for our children to steer clear of the temptations of the world. Now, I know that this was a Nazarite vow, and I know that the old Nazarite vow would have included this. I understand that. But for a moment, but for a moment, let's just consider that phrase, shall we? As a pastor, I want you to know I do come with a bias this morning. I must be honest. I'm not ashamed of my bias. I'm not. I'm pretty bold in it. And I make no apologies that I come with a bias against alcohol this morning. You say, where does that bias come from? Well, it comes from pastoring for 29 years. It comes from seeing what addiction and what alcohol and what just minimal use leads to if not taken care of. And I, and I, I understand you've heard me preach that I understand, and I've been very transparent in some of the shifting of theology, understanding that that that. that I could not defend someone that said there's nothing wrong with an occasional drink. I'm not saying, reversing what I've preached. I am saying this, that my bias is this. It is best and highest to completely abstain from alcohol. I met with Jeremy Horton, our associate pastor, two years ago because I was just concerned about alcohol creeping into the church and becoming the norm. And I asked him what he thought, and he said, we talked for about two hours that day. We came up with this list that I put in your Worship God. Not to preach, just to look at and study for yourself with verses. Just for you to look at. That's all. My concern today is for our children because if you come with a different bias, I understand that. I would just ask you to consider not celebrating that in front of your kids. I was shaking hands in the back of the service after the first service and a gentleman in tears said, you preached to me this morning. He's a member of our church. I said, what do you mean? He goes about the temptation. He goes, you see, I'm responsible for four deaths from drinking alcohol. And pastor, keep on preaching just like you did this morning. 
Now, you could take that and run with it and say, well, I'm an exception, and maybe you are, and if you are, I am so proud of you. But I will tell you this. You're looking at a guy that's going to stay strong in these areas of temptation that can destroy our children, and we would be good to add to the list of alcohol, pornography, and we'd be good to add to that list gambling, and we'd be good to add to that list drugs, and we'd be good to add to that list sexual immorality and anything else that Satan uses to bring our children into his grip. This is our prayer. Oh, God, that our children would steer clear from the temptations of this world. Number four, pray for our children to be saved and to be filled with the Spirit of God. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 15, the Scripture says, He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, our theology teaches us that to be saved and to receive the Holy Spirit are synonymous. When you become a Christian, when you ask Christ to save you, when you're born again, that comes with a package. (laughs) The Holy Spirit of God comes inside of every believer upon the moment they get saved. It's awesome. And so we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might say it's the first filling of the Holy Spirit. But there are many times in our lives, our children's lives, my life personally, where I've had a special anointing or an unusual filling of his spirit. And so I find myself on a regular daily basis praying for the spirit of God to fill me with his power. And I also pray that over my children because I'm going to make this statement, the greatest prayer that you could ever pray or the greatest prayer that you can ever have answered in your life regarding your children is that they would be saved. That's the greatest prayer. And if you don't believe that, then there's something you don't understand about heaven and hell. Because if someone receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and prayerfully at the youngest of ages, then they'll spend an eternity with Jesus forever in heaven. But somebody who rejects Jesus Christ over the course of their life or before they die would spend an eternity in hell. What could be more important than our children being saved? Yesterday, I had the chance to visit Josh and Heather Graham in their home. It was awesome. And Josh and Heather just, uh, we, uh, Josh and I actually are working on the men's retreat together. we got so many good things coming to you guys for April's retreat. You're going to be blown away. We, we were pumped yesterday. But I also came over for another reason. It wasn't just to pick up Josh and head out to the woods and look at this spot. But it was to talk to his nine-year-old daughter, Geneva. Geneva came bebopping down those stairs. and Hey, preacher, gave me a hug. And we sat down, and as Geneva shared her testimony of God's grace in her life and how she came to that decision and how she learned at an early age who Jesus was and how she learned to pray and learn to have faith and how she's now. And she mentioned people like Mr. Joe, her children's church pastor, and, and her parents and, and others in the church who have influenced her life inside of her testimony. And next Sunday morning, Geneva is going to get baptized. And I'm going to tell you, yesterday evening, late, I got a text from Heather, ding, and I got a text from Josh, ding. Obviously, they hadn't gotten over it yet, because it was like nine hours later. And they're like, Pastor, thank you for coming over and being a part of that moment with us. What were they saying? That there's nothing greater than when your children come to know Christ. And this is our prayer. 
And I'm praying this now over our grandchildren. Just this morning, you know, I, I get up early and, and, and from, from my house to the, to the McDonald's and from the McDonald's to the church, I'm crying out to God, lifting up their names in prayer. Mo and Joe and Zoe and Chloe and Glow and Tiffany and Seuss and KJ and Bentley and Kimber Joe and Jules and Lainey and MJ. I mean, without stutter, these names are on my heart, the tip of my tongue, crying out to God, oh God. Save them at the earliest of ages. When they understand the gospel, may they come to know you and do something great for you, Father. This is our prayer for our kids. This needs to be our prayer daily, that our children will come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And then number five, pray for our children to be used by God to point others to him. Look at the text in verse 16, that he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He'll turn many to God. We should not necessarily pray that our children would become preachers. I'm not suggesting we pray that our children would become missionaries or that our our children would become a pastor. But a person who walks with God and points others to Christ. What's interesting is already Geneva has invited a friend to her baptism. It didn't take long for her to recognize, I want others to know this. I want others to know Jesus. And so a nine-year-old girl is already inviting friends from Lake Hamilton to come to see her baptized. Why? Because it is in the heart of a believer to want others to know. We want the world to know this Jesus that has saved us and rescued us from sin, hell, and the grave. And so we pray that our children would be used by God to point others to him. That's how we pray. Now, in closing, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Don't miss this about Zechariah and Elizabeth. I want to close with this. These were the parents of John the Baptist. And here's what we read about them before we read the angel's blessing. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly, in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. You know, from that simple verse, we learn this. To pray is one thing, but to lead by example is quite another. Church, it's not enough just to pray. We've got to live it. I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk the walk than merely show the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creed, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do for there's no misunderstanding and the high advice you give but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live we gotta lead by example we gotta be men and women of God we gotta realize that this is so important that our kids see a picture of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit in our homes And so this morning, let's take a moment and examine ourselves. Let's think for a moment the example that we're setting for our children. 
I know this is a tough message. I get that. And I want to say a word to those of you who have a child away from God that you're praying for. You know, one of the greatest, most heartwarming stories of recent decades is the story of Franklin Graham. I've always been a a fan of of the Graham family. I've, I've got about... 15 or 20 of their books in my office. I've read their life story. I've read, I've read Franklin's testimony of when he was a rebel away from God. It's pretty interesting. Today, Franklin Graham is a tremendous evangelist, preaching to thousands in America and overseas. In fact, he's also the founder of Samaritan's Purse, which is the ministry of outreach to the lost around the world, especially children, by receiving a Christmas shoebox that we sent all over the world this year with the gospel inside the shoebox and children are saved by the thousands and tens of thousands every year. That's the Franklin Graham we know. But the Franklin Graham that Ruth and Billy knew in his early life and adulthood was a rebel and running away from God. One night while praying for her lost lamb, that's what Ruth called Franklin. That was her, her prayer. In her prayer, she said she always called him my lost lamb. As Ruth Graham called Franklin, she slipped to her knees to once again commit him to Jesus Christ. Ruth realized that she must first commit what was left of her to God. And so she did. She, she committed herself to God afresh and anew, and she just waited for God's response. Ruth says that God impressed upon her. Ruth, you take care of the possible and let me take care of the impossible. Well, years later, Franklin Graham came back to Christ. He was an ordained minister, and on his ordination service, Ruth spoke. And she spoke about the prayers that she prayed, and she gave the testimony of that moment when she prayed that prayer and recommitted herself to Christ and just has since then just waited for God's response. And she ended her little talk that day at his ordination by saying, today you are seeing the impossible. What a story. What a story of redemption. What a story of a mother's prayers being answered as her son came back to God. It is never too late for you to pray and ask God to redeem and bring back your son to Christ your daughter, to Christ. We started out by saying what we'd give for a few guarantees, amen, (laughs) about our kids' character. Wouldn't that be nice just to kind of know in advance whether there are no guarantees? But I do believe we can do four things. Number one, we can commit ourselves to God. We should. We should start this morning as couples, as parents, as soon-to-be parents, as one-day parents, as grandparents, recommit ourselves to this thing of prayer. Recommit what's left of us to God. Number two, we can pray for our children, and we should, by name, every day, every day. Just crying out, just a list. I mean, just calling them out. Every day, pray for our children, and do it in a new and a fresh way. Look, you're talking to the pastor who, again, remember I said a moment ago, let's spiritualize this thing, and let's say, hey, maybe there'll be a pastor one day. Can I tell you, don't waste your time spiritualizing pastors. We're men, we're weak, we make mistakes. 
I don't pray as often as I should, and I'm having the year of prayer as much for me as I am for you. I need to pray for my children more. Number three, pray with your children. This was a convicting thing for me because at the end of 2021, I realized I had stopped intentionally praying with my children, using as the excuse, well, you know, they've kind of gone on with their lives. They're older now. So Zoe and Millie have kind of been hitting it off pretty good, so they stay pretty busy fellowshipping. (laughs) Chloe's not dating anybody. She's still daddy's little girl. So I came to Chloe at the first of this year, and I said, Chloe, let's pray together every night. Just like you were my little baby girl. Before the evening's over, you come to my room, or I'll come to your room with mom. And you just tell us what's on your heart. Sometimes it's pretty heavy. I'm like, (laughs) wow. And then sometimes it's light. Have a good day. Just pray that I have a good day tomorrow. And she sometimes will jump up in bed and get under the covers with us and cuddle up. I like that the best. That means you have to do it tonight. But if you want to, that's fine. And um, and we we just have fun. And I feel like a young daddy again just... But here's the, here's the confession. I'm having a blast praying with my daughter about her future spouse, about her anxiety, about the things that sometimes weigh heavy on her that she wants to do for God and she doesn't understand it all. And I'm having a blast. Not only praying for her, but praying with her. And then number four, lead by example. Lead by example. And maybe that might start with an apology, right? Right? It might start with a mom or a dad going to a child and saying, look, I I mean, you heard the message this morning. I heard it. And you know I've not been the best example in this area. I just want you to know, daddy or mom or dad and mom, we're going to do better at this. And you pray for us and we're going to pray for you. What a humbling, reviving moment that would be in your home. Because church, listen to me. If we're praying for revival... And asking God to open up the heavens, it's going to have to start in our homes, in our children's, by our children's bedsides. It's going to have to begin with tears over our children's futures and their lives and their health and their, and their, and their calling. We've got to get back to this thing of praying. And so just a moment, we're going to open this up to an invitation as we have throughout this month. And God is reviving our altar call. God is reviving this moment. God is bringing us to a place where we're recognizing that the next two or three minutes are valuable. They're not just like the ending of the service or some token song or just a moment to stand. It's it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to pray. And it's an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit in that which He is dealing with us. And today it's prayer for our kids, for our nephews, our nieces, our grandkids, the kid across the street. Prayer. And so maybe you may want to come as a mom and dad together and pray. And just pray for a few minutes and commit yourself to prayer. Maybe you might want to come as Papa and Nana and just pray. Others may want to come and pray the prayer that Ruth Graham prayed. My son, my daughter's away from God. And Father, I'm going to commit my life to you. What's left of me. And I'm going to leave it up to you, God. I'm just going to wait for him to come home. Others may need to come and be saved. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. And 
and his atoning blood for you to cover you and to save you from an eternity and separated from him. Come. Or maybe you're just far away from God and you need to come home. And the father waits with open arms and says, I love you. And I'm so glad you're back. Whatever it is, respond. Let's revive prayer in the house of God again. Let's make prayer not only normal, but comfortable in the house of God, especially during the response time, as you have already. I love you, church. Let's pray for our children. Father, I love you. I thank you for this time we've had together. God, move and work as we sing this response invitation song. Take our lives. God, take our families. Move our hearts. Grip our hearts. Oh, Father, may we begin to pray over our children in this way. May we use this as a basis of prayer principles to guide us as we press in to you on behalf of our children. Oh, God. Oh, God, let it begin. Let it begin at 621 3rd Street. And may it start right here in this building. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we stand together?